What's up? You got Bobby here. And before we get into the newest numbers on the boards presented by Bedgear with me and Skin, uh, I just wanted to very informally tell you that if you have not heard, Mike Frailer, who has forgotten Mavs on Twitter, his new podcast, The Mavs Archives, is now available on iTunes. So uh, basically, if you've already been subscribed to the Forgotten Maverick podcast for uh, the many years, actually, that Mike has been doing it, then you probably know what it is. Uh, if you listened to the episode uh, a couple weeks ago with Skin and me, you would remember uh, that we interviewed Mike about it after the show on the tail end of it. Uh, but basically, Mike interviews uh, former Mavs players, coaches, staff, uh, you know, some employees just about their time with the team. So it's it's guys ranging from you know Josh Howard and Marquise Daniels down to guys who played maybe only one or two games in Dallas. And it's just really interesting to hear their stories. Um, it was known as the Forgotten Maverick podcast for a very long time. Uh, now it has been rebranded to Mavs Archives. So it is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, basically everywhere uh, you get your podcast. Whatever your preferred platform is, you can find it there. Uh, it's great. There's actually a new episode out today with Chad Lewis, former trainer for the Mavs, and uh, Mike's got some really, really great episodes in the pipeline too. So uh, definitely go and, uh, and subscribe. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, he's going to post links to all the episodes. We will as well from uh, Dallas Mavs too. But uh, give him a follow. Really good dude. Really happy that he's uh, part of our uh, Mavs family now. So without further ado, let's toss it over to Numbers on the Boards with Skin and me. Of course, this is presented by the good people at Bedgear. Uh, if you have any bed needs, sleep needs, definitely check out their website, bedgear.com. Do some uh, Cyber Monday shopping. They do have some really good deals going. So uh, if you need a new pillow, new sheets, new comforter, even a new mattress, um, check them out. And seriously, sleep will change your life. Better sleep will change your life. So uh, definitely check it out. And uh, anyway, here we go. Put some numbers on the board, Skin. Whoop, whoop. I'm Bobby Corella. It is December 2nd, 2019. Normally, I come up with like an intro, and usually, well, normally I try to come up with an intro. Yep. But it usually just turns into like, hello, 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 and some dumb whatever, like time fill thing. But today, man, getting right into it, because the Mavs might be... The best team of all time. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Man, maybe. I really. I wish didn't want to say it. I'm glad you said it. I but, really uh, wish people could have seen that look we just threw each other with <laughs> anticipation of what are we gonna. What say? am I about to say? Yeah. Because we're only what seven days removed from the Clippers thumping Dallas on national TV, NBA TV. That's national TV. Yeah, right? sure, man. I watched it in Florida, dude. Oh, really? Yeah, I, mean, I was in Florida with the family, and we found a place called the Hub, which, from what I understand, they're supposedly opening one in Frisco. And it was just kind of one of these open-air market concepts with pizza and barbecue and sandwiches and beer and uh, kind of like legacy food hall or yeah, yeah, all yeah. Those the what do they call those? The open-air market concepts. Yeah, yeah. And my whole family is Mavs fans, and we um, watched that ass-kicking without sound. Well, that uh, that's that wasn't too bad. No, nah, it wasn't, and uh, uh, very on. disappointing. Not a good win, but boy, for the Clippers, the two games after it. Yeah, dude. <laughs> So, okay, what if I told you 
Uh, when did we talk last? Do you remember? Was it? Yeah, we talked, um, you know, probably last Thursday or the, the, the Thursday before Thanksgiving, right? So did it was, we, did we Thursday? talk after Golden State whenever they thumped them? I believe so. Okay. So who that's could a, know that's these a, that's things? A, that's a, I, there's no way to find out. The honestly. internet does not track these things. Yeah, no, not at all. Uh, again, no notes for this one. We're no. flying by the seat of our, our Luca pants. What's up, ladies? What if I told you on November 23rd, as the Mavs were boarding the plane to head to Houston, that three of the next four games are on the road, and all four of your next four games are against Western Conference playoff teams. Yep. Three of which are against teams with top five records in the NBA. Yep. But the Mavs are going to win three of those games. I'd be ecstatic. Would you have believed me? I would have. Uh, yeah, I think I would have believed you. You know what I would have told you, or what I would have said is, you know, we theorized that even though the competition was lesser, that four-game home winning streak was really good because they continued to hone the way that they played, and they carried it over. And I would have said, Tim Hardaway Jr. is continuing. He, he must be continuing to do the things that he showed us when he was put in the starting lineup and, and his shooting started turning around. So I would have I'm, – I'm really at the point, Bobby, where I believe that the Mavericks are not outmatched against anybody. I think there's teams that are better, and I think the Clippers game was a good example of that. But after, especially after watching two games against the Lakers, uh, I do not think that the Mavericks are quote unquote outmatched against anybody. I think because of certain levels of experience and those things, there's a few teams that, you know, just being honest, go, okay, those teams are probably better than us. But whatever that next level is, I don't think it's ridiculous or absurd to say the Mavericks aren't in that level. You don't build teams with 13 players who aren't superstars, so this is kind of an unfair exercise to begin with. But if you were to show me the Lakers roster and you were to show me the Mavs roster mm -hmm. and you just smudged out the top two names on each, I would pick the Mavs I roster. Uh, we, we talked about this a little bit on the pregame show yesterday. Um, and it, it's stupid to be critical of a team winning 85% of their games, which the Lakers are. But their schedule has been weaker, and and uh, I think you and I talked about this leading into the home game against the Lakers last time as to why I was very optimistic about that game. Because I think the Lakers will be way better in March than they are now. Yep. And there's a difference in how you're playing and what your record is. A lot of times they match up evenly, and sometimes mm -hmm. they don't. And when I watched the Lakers play, and even in that stretch where they went 10 in a row, is that what it was? They went 10 in a row, but a lot of them were like – Buzzer beaters come yes. from behind, wins, like real close. And I think they were hitting a higher percentage of three-pointers during that stretch than they will normally hit. Mm. They still have issues where you look at that team and you're going, man, am I watching a 1980s basketball game because there's five big giant dudes all inside the three-pointer. They took 19 threes yesterday. Yeah. The Mavs took 19 like in the first quarter. It's a problem for the Lakers. Now there's they've got LeBron and Anthony Davis, and I think they're a factor in the NBA Finals. But I think they have to work towards that. Uh, and I still think they have some offensive issues. They're great defensively, and they are big, and they block a lot of shots. And how many times do we see guys get in there and, boy, it closes up fast. But, I, I mean, if you're just to ask me right now, and I'm not basing this on the, who the Mavericks played last week, uh, take that away. I think the Clippers are a lot better than the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah, I, I think don't the really Clippers are a lot better than everybody yes, right now. Yes, agreed. Totally agree. So – the Mavs do beat the Lakers 114 to 100. The 114 points that they scored, by the way, I'm looking over the Lakers' schedule now. The third most points scored against them, are you ready for this? 
all season. <laughs> and that includes a game that went to overtime against the Mavs. The Mavs. What did we get? Scored 110. Oh, the 110. Yeah, they lost yeah. 119 to 110. Of course, that game arguably should have been a Mavs win, but you know what? You can't erase the past skin. That was a month ago. Really? You got to let the past die. Kill it if you have to. Kill that past. Yeah, and the Mavs killed the past yesterday, Eat which your is, masters. I guess, also the past. Yeah, now. that's okay, man. But You're in rolling. the, in the pre- when, it, when it was the present, they killed the past. You had Luka go off for 27 points, 10 assists, and 9 rebounds. And his stats, I think in all three categories, actually went down mm-hmm. because of that performance. So Luka mm-hmm. had an off night. It was just 27, 9, uh, nine and 10. Um, you had three other guys give you 15 points. And one guy give you 17 points. So pretty all-around solid uh, performance by the Mavs on – Prime time for a Sunday, right? Yeah. No Cowboys. No Cowboys. Uh, there was no, I think, L.A. Rams football game going on. That later time, in right? the day. Yeah, later. In, I mean, yeah, this was like all eyes in both markets on this. You had people in Europe watching. You had people, I'm sure, all over the world. It's LeBron versus Luka. These are like two of the top guys going head-to-head. Yeah. And it started off very badly. We don't need to rehash the first quarter because, skin that was not pretty. Nope. Uh, but they rebounded from that metaphorically and also literally they they got a lot of rebounds because the lakers missed almost every shot they took in the third quarter yep uh at one point this was like nine minutes into the quarter the lakers had more technical fouls than made field goals <laughs> in the third uh, um, that, and and we should say like there's always way more to it than this but in a lot of ways delon and justin won you that game yeah i absolutely you know uh i i don't know what the score was when lucas sat down but i know they were down 10 for a lot of the first quarter mm-hmm. and by the time they came back in i think they were winning did you see the play in which uh that was the earliest lucas gone to the bench this year did mm-hmm. you know that mm-hmm. did you see the play in which he went to the bench yeah there was a lot of kind of uh frustrated sort of walking back up the floor yeah and it's like take a seat bro yeah and then when he went back in he was pretty good yeah I know you mentioned that on the post game yesterday, and I thought that was a very astute observation because he was hanging his head a lot more than normal. But that's kind of the – I think he sort of gets the butterflies, the heebie-jeebies maybe when he plays against LeBron. And he makes a lot of, like, a lot of mistakes that he's not typically prone to making. Yeah. He was out – and the team was out of sorts, but so much of the team, especially at the beginning of games, just runs through Luka, 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 Luka. And so if Luka's out of sorts, there's going to be a ripple effect there. So I have a question for you. I like it. Yesterday, bad start, and then the third quarter was phenomenal. Obviously, the Mavs were up by as many, I believe, as 20 points, if not maybe 21 Mm -hmm. at one point in the third quarter. Uh, They go on a 17-0 run, go up 20, and then bam, Alex Caruso happens, and all of a sudden it's right back down to 10. The place is going nuts. Rick calls timeout. It's tough. And then Luka kind of comes out of the timeout and takes over the game, and and they turned out being okay. But I wonder if – their most literally their most recent game before that coming against Aaron Baines and the Flop Fest in Phoenix mm-hmm. where things were really weird that for was about a weird game 30 minutes of basketball there um i wonder if that phoenix game kind of benefited them in any way i mean like whenever things get weird on the road sometimes you can fold and sometimes you can say actually no we're going to we're going to step back in front feels like each of their last two road games at Houston and at Phoenix they've played great gone up by a, a pretty significant margin, and then things got weird, things got tight, and against Houston they were able to edge them out, and against Phoenix they were able to edge them out. I wonder if that kind of helped prep them for Sunday. I feel like you're taking me down the path of the great gonzo journalist Hunter S. Thompson. Okay, and one I'm of his see where this goes. One of his greatest quotes is, when the going gets weird, 
the weird turn pro. Hey. And I think it's exactly what you're talking about here. Yeah. They put their they put their pro sneakers on and uh, and they say, you know what? I know it's getting weird, but we're not going to let it spiral out of control because we're a better team than that. Mm. This isn't this isn't your dad's dad's Mavericks. This is Lucas Mavs. And uh, they weren't. Those are those are great wins that you can't let spiral out of control. It's funny as you're describing that. I'm remembering. Got to go in my memory banks here. What game was it? Was it the Knicks? No. Whatever you're talking about. It's the one where there was a late run. It was at the American Airlines Center. No, this, it wasn't. I take it back. It was the Houston game in Houston. When they started to make their little run, yeah. and the crowd was going nuts, and I don't know if the TV cameras captured it. I happened to be down there for that game, and Luca put both hands in the air, like, just it's okay, everybody, I got this. Like it was almost like it was almost like the wrestler maneuver of, <laughs> yeah, come on. Yeah, I that was anger. after that Capella and one. You're right. Houston went on a huge run when, when he was the trailer and he punched it, yeah. and everyone's going bonkers. And Luca just kind of walked over to the timeline area and put both hands in the air and just kind of, you know, put his fingers in the air, and then he just took over. And that's the play that growing up watching the early and mid-2000s Mavs and especially Dirk kind of go through the growing pains of what it means to be like a real badass. Yep. When plays like that happen, you lose on the road. I yes. mean, even the best teams lose. You when just, the avalanche happens, yeah. can you uh, survive it? And when it's when it's Clint Capella dunks, when it's Rubio drawing a flagrant foul on Dwight Powell for literally like getting out of the way somehow, what Powell was got that? it. It was weird. It, it was a tech. a tech. It wasn't a flagrant. That was a yeah, stupid it was, tech, though. It was he a very dumb tech. Elbow? Yeah, no, he didn't at all. And then Rubio gave him like a rib shot and somehow yeah. only got a personal foul. But, but whatever. What Rubio did was actually tech worthy. Absolutely. I mean, it's yeah. so stupid. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sorry, Sakakis, but you uh, failed. Yeah, I mean, that happens. And then whenever you're in L.A. and AD's throwing down alley-oops and there was the one play, you know, Rondo lobbed it up to LeBron to beat the buzzer in the yeah, first half. And you're like, incredible. man, if they're going to, you know, go for style over us, like this game is kind of over. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. They, they kind of have this steely resolve of a veteran team, even if they're only, you know, all these guys are like 21 years old. But uh, it might be hard to believe, but before they played in Houston last weekend – their most recent road game was the Knicks' loss. Yep. I mean, they You're came right. home for four straight games at home. Yep. And it was home cooking, and they were blowing everybody out, and things were fun. Yep. Uh, but before that, it was two really kind of tough losses. First being in Boston, where you get off to a really bad start, come all the way back, and then things fell apart at the end. And then you go to New York, where you just never really had it, and you suffer this humiliating loss on national TV. Yes. Uh it kind of it was, test, it, those those test you. I was very worried going into the Houston game from the standpoint of hey, it's four games, and I would hate to win four in a row and then go one and three. Yeah. And so I looked at the Houston game as the start of a four game stretch in which I wanted to go two and two, and two wins would have been great. Dude. Two wins would have been great. They went three and one. Yeah. And uh, the and the two road wins on Sundays were spectacular. Mm-hmm. Just straight putting it down. And, and, you know, the other thing about, you know, we're still learning about who this team is, and that's the thing. Did you see that uh, what Dirk said to Brad Townsend uh, yesterday in L.A.? Uh, I it, saw a few scattered what, quotes. One of the things that he mentioned that I totally agree with is that they are – they have a chance to be way better than they are. And that's the thing, like, when I look at this team is they're 13-6 and six with some really impressive road wins, and they should be – by the end of the year, if they stay healthy, way better than they are right now. Yeah, that's where I get excited, and that's where I go. Do we really want to 
make some trades? Do we want to use this trade exception? Do we want to use the Golden State second round pick and really fortify this thing? Because, I mean, I don't know. Anybody thought we we're going to be this good? Yeah. Without even, without clicking. Even them. I mean, this is like, I'm being totally serious when I say this. I think if you ask anybody about Luca within the organization, they would have told you that he'll be like an All Star level player. I, I'm not. I'm not sure they're surprised about how good he is. Basically, is what I'm saying. But if you ask those same people going into this year, if you like hooked Rick up to a lie detector, or Donnie Nelson, or Cuban, or you or me, and we're like two of the biggest homers out there, what is your most optimistic projection for what this team could be? Right. I never in a million years would have thought that they'd be 13 and six right now. Okay, hold on. Let's do this. And any anyone who tells you they believed it is lying. Mm. Because he has, I don't think he's played 100 games yet. Who, Luca? Yeah. He's played 91 games. Okay. Uh, I was doing the math on the fly. So. You don't have his stats memorized? <laughs> so listen, who are we statistically? We're putting him in the category of Harden. We're putting him in the category of Westbrook, LeBron, the Greek freak. Go back and look at what every one of those guys were doing in their first 100 games. Harden was coming off the bench, bro. Giannis was, Giannis a was non not even getting minutes yet to to go. Hey, I think he's going to show up and be in the MVP conversation before Thanksgiving of his second year. Well, that's absurd. That's absurd because that would have been absurd expectations for LeBron James, who, depending on how old the person is that you're talking to, is the first, second, or third greatest player of all time. Yeah. Okay, so let's – I mean, it's cool, though, you know, it's cool to, hey, I loved him and I wanted him, but what he's doing is trend-setting and trailblazing and beyond imagination, even for his most ardent supporters. So that sort of starts catapulting everything, going, all right, how aggressive do we become here? Yeah, and that's kind of a – that was a conversation last week while you were chilling on the beach. Uh, mm -hmm. Thanks for the invite, by the way. I, it got uh, lost in the mail. Holding your phone outside of the window as you're cruising down uh, Ocean Avenue yeah, down man. there. Um, Mike and I started talking about that. Mike Finley? Uh, no, Marshall. <laughs> the, the, the McKean. Uh, we, we started talking about that and kind of like, man – this is very I, – I told him then that this was very reminiscent of the 14-15 season. Now, of course, when I told Mike this – Is that – that's the uh, Rondo trade year? That was the Rondo okay. trade year. And when, whenever Mike and I talked about this, I don't remember for sure, so don't murder me if I get it wrong. But Damn this it, was Bob. either right before or right after the Clippers game. It might have been the day after the Clippers game. So right then they were 11-6. and six. And I was saying almost game for game – Narrative-wise, stats-wise, it's very, very similar to what was going on in that year in that they're playing elite offense, like mm -hmm. historically good offense. Mm -hmm. uh, they're losing to a lot of good teams, and they're beating down and pulverizing, I mean, beating teams by 40 that they really should beat, that they're outclassing. Right. Uh, but they might need to upgrade the defense if they want to do anything. And, of course, since then, they go to Phoenix and L.A., and they, they stomp them. And right. so you're thinking, like, well, actually, they might be a little better than that team was. But – uh, that year, the Mavs, I think, were, were kind of on a different, I guess, timeline. I don't, I don't like that word whenever we're talking about basketball for many reasons, but they were on a different timeline. There was a different, le uh, there was different urgency yeah, because of where Dirk 35, 36-year-old Dirk. Yeah, yeah. You, if this is it, yeah. right? 
you're the Mavs, you're whatever, they were 19-8 and eight when they pulled the trigger on the Rondo trade. Ugh. And you're thinking, the West is wide open. Because remember, at the time, that was LeBron's first year back in Cleveland. Yes. The Warriors had not yet won a championship. They were the, being invented in front of our very eyes. We just hadn't realized it yet. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, the Mavs' loss to the Warriors was one of the last games they played before trading for Rondo have because the Warriors came in and, and thumped them. Have I told you the story about sitting next to Donnie for three hours the next day? No. So uh, every year, and there's a lot of Mavs personnel and coaching staff and players that go to this, but Preston Wood off of the tollway has this huge Christmas gala. And uh, the team chaplain uh, is a guy that works at Preston Wood, David Shivers, great dude. I've played pickup basketball with him. He's incredible. How's his jumper? Uh, dude, it's the wettest shot you've ever seen. Really? For a guy, for a guy that I, I've said this many times. And it's, I believe it. For a guy that did not play in the NBA, he's the best shooter I've ever seen. Really? Lights out. He's about 6'6". He played at SMU. He's about 6'6". And he's the one that, uh, when I used to play those pickup games with Romo, he's the one that put all that stuff together. Wow, okay. He oversaw yeah. Romo's wedding. And that yeah. you, I told you the game I played in where Romo was covering Delonte West. Have we ever talked about that pickup game? I don't think so. That was all because of David Shivers. Okay. Great guy, okay? Um, so anyways... He's tied in with the Mavericks, and so a lot of people get invited to this big Christmas spectacle. It's unbelievable. It looks like a Broadway show. And I went on the Sunday night with my family, and I was sitting next to Donnie and his family. And I've known Donnie a long time, and I knew something was up because he did not look up from his phone once. He was, and I'm, I can just say now, he was talking to Danny Ainge the whole time. And him and yep. Danny Ainge worked together in Phoenix. They're old friends. They go way, way back. Um, and so anyways, they were the deal. If you remember, I think it went down on Monday night. Uh, yes. Okay. That's the next day, Sunday. So the golden state game was a day game mm. and the Mavericks got destroyed. It was disheartening. And the, the one good thing to come out of that was the, the shoe tossing incident. That was a, a oh, great yeah. moment. Great moment. Great in Tyson history. Chandler moment. Yeah. And then, um, and then, uh, they started working on the framework of that deal. I mean, they had been talking about Rondo before, but it suddenly, the urgency just, it escalated. Mm. And it was like, we need to do this now. And I'm just sitting next to him, and I'm not reading the screen, but I know what's going on. Yep. And they were, he was trying to get that deal done right there, and then 36 hours later, it was done. You saw how the sausage just made. all happened. I saw the sausage. But so that, that is kind of a, a different situation. So as much as this season, I think, is similar to that year in that they're maybe surprisingly good, and, you know, they, they – I think it's fair to say they could use a defensive upgrade, although right now they're actually up to, I think, 15th or 16th in the league, which is pretty good. I start thinking about these in NFL terms. Hey, if I have a top five offense, can my defense be 15 and I win a championship? Yeah, I like mean, that's it's tough, but in this era, I think it can be done. Historically, you got to be top 10, but that's changing a little bit lately. Changing a little bit, right. Um, but, uh, but anyway, I, I think there's less urgency for them to pull the trigger on that kind of move, and this is what Mike and I kind of agreed on is, like, if you can get maybe marginally better, sure – but at the same time, this is year one of what you hope is like five or ten. Do you right. really want to burn anything up? Yeah, you know, I mean, there's so, just there's no as long as you're in. Yeah, right. That's all that matters. I, w I was talking to uh, Ben of the Ben and Skin Show, which doesn't exist currently, but he and I started a podcast called The Non Compete, hey. which you can go download. We did one this morning, and we were we were talking about this whole idea of. Uh, you know, what the Mavericks are and where they are in their timeline, all those things. And remember that when Dirk and those guys broke through and made the playoffs, they beat Utah. That wasn't supposed to happen. Mm. And then so they got to go to the second round and play San Antonio. So it's like the whole thing is it's not just a matter of, hey, I got my feet wet. It's, hey, I got my feet wet, and then I excelled. And then that just sort of 
propels everything further. So even if you don't go, hey, I can win a championship this year with this one minor trade, that one minor trade might get you to the second round. And that has tremendous value. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not a Mavs historian because I was like 10 years old whenever that season happened. But I believe they their biggest move that year was trading for Howard Isley or something. I mean, they, they weren't really like <sighs> I gotta they remember. weren't swinging. They might have got Jawan Howard. Was he on that right. team so or was the that ju- the next season? I think I thought Jawan Howard came. Didn't Jawan Howard come in the oh – God, it all runs together. I'm pretty sure he was on that team. He was on that They traded team. him the following season for Nick Van Exel and Rafe LaFrenz. Yes, you're right. And you're right. the following season they traded – uh, after two years, they traded LaFrance for Antoine Walker, who became Jason Terry, right. who became a champion. Right. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of like marginal steps, right? You get better on the edges, yes. and then you get better closer to the core, closer to the middle, and then suddenly you click. Dude, their starting right? center was Cal Booth Yeah, when they won, when they won that yeah, first. Yeah, it was Booth and Sean Bradley. Yep. And Dirk was your small forward. Yep. <laughs> it, was, it was incredible. Oh, my God. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think that that's kind of a – that is a good – I guess that's maybe a better comparison than the than the 2015 team. That's more recent, but I just think there's no like. I'm not going to be disappointed if they don't do anything. Like if they just ride yeah. it out, basically is what I'm saying. There's no there's no uh, problem with riding out. The one thing I'd say too is like, you want to get better defensively. Well, what's kind of interesting is right now at least, Tim Hardaway Jr. is playing pretty good defense, and we know Dorian plays good defense. So mm. right now with this incarnation of the Mavs. Your wings are playing pretty good defense. Yeah, and now one knock against wings. yeah, yeah, and one knock against Dwight Powell is that defensively he's not really a, an expert or by any means. But outside of the game against the Lakers the first time around, whenever AD got him pretty good in the fourth quarter yeah. and overtime, there that happens to a lot of people yeah. against Anthony Davis. Uh, that would be like criticizing someone for letting Luca get thirty points. Like, right, come on. Uh, outside of that one game, I thought he's been pretty good this year. Um, but, you know, I mean, if you want to replace Dwight with a defensive standout, it's going to be hard to top what he's doing on offense because they're scoring like 125 points per 100 possessions whenever he's out there with Luka, which is otherworldly. So I was out of town, and so I missed Dwight Powell was catching a lot of flack during the Clipper game on the social medias. I mean, dude, I mean it's been was, all year. It's been all year. Yeah. He was incredible in the Laker game yesterday. Yeah, he was. He was spectacular, and that's against big dudes. Mm. You know, it was frustrating at the beginning of the game when the Lakers were getting all those offensive rebounds, and you thought, man, we're in for a really long night. But mm. I, th- I thought he played a great game yesterday. Yeah. And I think what you're talking about is sometimes there's leverages that play out in your benefit that aren't just like tangible, hey, he's averaging this many points and rebounds. Sometimes just the pre- – like, uh, who was I just talking somebody about Porzingis. And it's like, man, he hadn't really connected yet. And I'm like, that's true, but his presence on the floor allows for a lot of things to happen because even if he's not connecting on a shot, they ain't leaving him open. Yeah, it's gravity. Yeah. It's gravity. And, and likewise, you know, KP can stand still and keep his defender near him. Right. If Dwight Powell sets a screen for Luka and starts rolling to the basket, his guy can't leave him completely. Right. Otherwise, it's a dunk. So yes. you're just giving Luka an extra half step of space. That's all he needs. Yeah. And now, for someone like Dwight, who can't really create his own shot, and then on defense, you really only notice when centers mess up. It feels like centers are kind of like kickers. Right? <laughs> like, you I like only this. know them if they mess up. Yeah. Uh, a lot of his mistakes look really dumb because he's only taking layups. So if he misses one, well, you missed a layup, you big mm-hmm. dummy. And he only plays around the basket on defense. And so if someone scores on him, well, you should have blocked a shot. And that's the, not totally fair. A lot of it depends on what other people are doing. You know, it's, the, a, it's a five-on-five sport. Here's the other thing, too. 
is he plays in a frenetic style. You know, Rick calls it playing with force. Mm. And so sometimes his style of play is like marbles on glass. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And so there's a there's an aspect of like when the mistakes happen, they happen at full speed. So a ball shoots into the stands mm. or there's the most aggressive foul you've ever seen. When someone that big and that strong plays that hard all the time, the size of the mistake is just exaggerated looking in general. Yeah, it you looks know? silly. It looks silly. Like a ball will, like you say, fly out of this his is hands. Why, this is why a lot of guys that could be better defenders don't play good defense because they don't want to fall down because mm. then you're a meme and then some junior high kid's laughing at you. And, God, how do you ever escape <laughs> yeah. that? So instead, yeah. I'm going to play crappy defense and let my man torch me so I don't end up being a meme. Mm. Like Dwight Powell's not that guy. Dwight Powell goes hard all the time, and if it leads to an embarrassing moment, guess what? There's a million more moments ahead of me. Yeah. So I'm going to play hard at all times. And what else happens whenever you play hard? You get rewarded. He draws a lot of fouls. Maybe yeah. not shooting fouls, but he draws a lot of loose ball fouls. He draws a lot of shooting fouls, especially on his lobs. Uh, so he's a very valuable player. I don't, I don't, I don't know why that's even like a thought in, I'm not, in sort I, of I the understand. public sphere right now. I don't get yeah. it. I understand, I guess, to some degree. It doesn't impact me that way. Yeah. I mean, he's been I good see for what three his years. Like, I see what been, his value is. Like, just, you just got to, like, some things you just got to believe, yeah. right? How much evidence do you have to be shown before you agree that somebody is good? Right. You know, there's just, I don't know, you're arguing against air at yeah. that point, really. Um, okay, I have a really, really, really hot take right now, and oh, I've shoot. been kind of containing this for a while. Let's go get it. Um, this is like a safe space, right? Yep. Okay. I mean, we're recording it, but... Yeah, that's true. So it, it might end my career. But was losing to the Knicks maybe like the best thing that could ever have happened to this team? Which loss? Yes. <laughs> I mean, truly, I know, but no, bring it, bring it. Let's go, especially let's go. at New York. I mean, yeah. I I really so first off, I I do want to say that first off, playing that team two times right at the beginning of the year is mm-hmm. not great because no offense they're probably going to be tanking at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So whenever you play them, no matter who's on their team, those guys get paid too, as Mark Follow always says. Yep. So they're playing their best players against you, so you're getting their best shot, first right. off. Right. Uh, that's one layer of difficulty. The next one, obviously, that game is weighing on KP and Tim and Courtney and, by proxy, everybody else on the team. Mm-hmm. Whenever you're all new and you don't really have a lot of rhythm together, playing any team early in the season is tough especially a team that you're all emotionally like bent out of shape about. Right. I just think that playing them early was hard. You shouldn't have lost the first one going there. You probably shouldn't have lost that game either, but that game was, it was chaos Mm -hmm. in that arena. I've never been in a place that was as hostile as that place that night. Really? There were people yelling traitor and go back to Latvia during the anthem, dude. Oh my God. It was weird. Was it Tommy Heinsohn? Uh, That's well, just a joke. Yeah. <laughs> Someone told me that he was on a broadcast <laughs> telling Luca to go yeah. back to Slovenia. Okay, kind of weird. And that was right after the Don Cherry stuff too. Yeah, it's like, yeah. bro, maybe not. I'm old. Yeah, <laughs> not right now. You know, yeah. like, a different week, buddy. Right. Uh, especially around Veterans Day. But uh, it was weird. I, it was it was a it was an inferno in there of hatred and just navigating that has got to be very tough. And I think it being at the very beginning of the season kind of weighs on you all summer long. Mm -hmm. It's going to be your 10th game or whatever it was. It was their 11th game of the season uh, that they played in New York. In Dallas, it was their eighth game of the year. This is like immediate, right off the bat, you're playing these guys. And it feels like ever since then, I mean, clearly it's reflected in the standings because they've won seven out of eight since then. 
it kind of seems like a weight has been lifted off their shoulder. And so I wonder if it's kind of a, a double a double dose of goodness, right? First, you don't have to play them anymore. Mm-hmm. Second, you lose, so maybe it's like, all right, it's time to actually like get get a little more serious about this whole thing. I just wonder if it was I wonder if it was a good thing. I like uh, I like the concept. I hadn't thought about it in those terms. Um, I, th- where I think I would go with that is I would probably zero in more on Hardaway Jr. Mm. Because obviously the hostility was directed towards Porzingis and all that. But the guy who has taken off during the stretch is Tim. Yeah, he's been good. And part of it is because, you know, his dad came in town. Part of it is Seth got hurt. Mm-hmm. And so, all right, we're going to put Tim in – it's just the timing. A lot of things came together, uh, and then magic happened. And, you know, Tim has always been a streaky player, so there's going to be more down moments. And I would argue there's been some down moments even during this stretch. He wasn't very good yesterday. Right. But he was still engaged in the game. Well, he wasn't very efficient. He wasn't efficient. But, I, man, he made a couple plays that when he's playing well, he makes, and when he's forcing, he doesn't make. Yeah. One was when he came into that mid-range, and then he – I think it was Porzingis he spotted on the baseline for, you know, those are a lot of times Tim doesn't see those plays because he's fixated on shooting because mm-hmm. that's always been his role. And when he's doing everything and he's not concerned with just making his shot, boy, he's a good all-around player. They'll phrase it as just when he's just playing basketball. Yeah. Not when he's out there, like, trying. Right. He's just playing. He's just playing. Just go play. Letting the game come to him. I, I think Tim is I, – I don't know if Tim benefited maybe that they're not playing the Knicks anymore. Um but man, I mean, I, 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 you go home after that game. That's like an embarrassing loss mm-hmm. on national TV. The whole country is watching because there's no other game on. Right. And you're the guy that the fans hate has a bad game, and you lose to a really horrible team for this horrible to an underperforming team for the second time in a week. It's all relative. They're horrible. They've got four wins, right? Aren't they tied for the worst record yeah, in the NBA? They're bad, man. Yeah, them, Atlanta, and Golden State are the worst yeah. teams in the NBA. They're, they're very bad. And yeah. since then, I think they've won one game. I mean, and the Mavs have lost one game. Mm-hmm. So that was New York's Super Bowl. I think the Mavs kind of maybe viewed that game as a luxury. Maybe they thought that they would just win, walk in, take care of business, and get out of there. It certainly seemed like they were all expecting to win by a lot of points, and they didn't. They lost. Hey, we already lost to the Knicks once. We won't lose this one. Yeah, exactly. All we got to do is show up. We just gave Boston all they wanted to handle two right. nights ago in, in, at their place. Um but ever since then, I mean, they beat the Raptors, they beat the Rockets, they beat the Suns, they beat the Lakers, they blew Cleveland and Golden State literally out of the gym. Mm-hmm. They beat the Spurs, which they honestly never do. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've they have a lot of really kind of emphatic results since that game, and yes. I just wonder if sometimes I, I, it's like the old adage, like it's not how many times you get knocked or knocked down or whatever; it's how you respond yeah. to adversity. Yeah, every team is going to go through a, a, a tough stretch. Yeah, you're the Mavs won the championship. They got smoked on national TV by the Lakers. Oh my God! You remember that? They swept them. Remember that West Coast swing? It was brutal. It was brutal. I thought it was awful. Man, they have no rhythm. Yeah, that that final game against Portland on a Sunday night before the trip was over. Yeah, it was bad. And you you have Jason Terry like fighting Steve Blake on national TV. They're down thirty. I forgot about that. It's like, dude, what are you doing? I mean, every team goes through a situation like that, and when you lose three out of four, with at least one of those games being on national TV, if not like two or three of them, because I think there was some NBA TV in there. Your only win is at Memphis, who whatever. That's kind of an adverse situation, Skin. Mm-hmm. And uh, for a young Luca who just spent an entire year losing, and you have this really great start that suddenly seems like it's coming apart at the seams. And for KP, who's 
doubting his own physical well-being after that and just you know his, his ego i'm sure got put in check by the new york fans and by rick who's like is this working and facing all sorts of criticism for our own twitter personas <laughs> that was a tough time yeah and you don't have a lot of time to lick your wounds you come home and you play toronto 48 hours later and it's like, all right, we're either back at 500 after this and we got to start all over or mm-hmm. we make a statement. Yeah. And they've won seven out of eight and they've beaten the crap out of most of these teams. And it just feels like, I don't know, maybe it's only because of the results. Maybe it's not the process. Maybe they're just making shots. But it feels like they're a totally different team than they were. I, so I like all this. I like the theory and I like you workshopping it. I had not considered this. At the, I can tell you how I felt at the time. Okay. How I felt at the time was... Yeah, that's a crappy loss. There's going to be four or five more of these mm. because they're not uh, a great NBA team that's been around for a while smacking people around. They're a young team trying to get better. So if this is the end of the world for you that they lost the Knicks game again, just check out the rest of the year because it's coming again. They're going to lose 30 games. They're going to lose 30 at games at least. God, that's on the low side, right? Yeah. And uh, and a lot of them are going to suck. Uh, but I've already seen – and what would you say that was game 11? That was game 11 of the year. I had already seen enough in the first 10 games before that that I was very excited for the year. And so my enthusiasm wasn't dampened. You know, so when people were coming at me on Twitter going, we've got to blow this up and we've got to trade this guy and this guy sucks and all that, I'm like, man, y'all are watching a different sport than I'm watching. Mm. That's just not the way I look at these things. You know, I, it's very obvious when your team is bad but I didn't see a bad team. I'd see a team that, hey, that went at Denver was pretty great. And, boy, we got screwed on the Lakers. Should have won that game. I mean, there were several things I'd seen that were an indication to me that it was a good basketball team. Mm. So I was like, yeah, this sucks. I mean, you, you, if you do miss the playoffs, you look back at those games and go, crap, crap, crap. But I just I, – I didn't feel the angst that I think a lot of fans were feeling. And then, like you said, eight games later, you've won seven of them. Yep. And so now, do I think that the Mavericks are now the best team in the NBA because they've just won seven of eight and beat the late? No, I don't. But I think I see a continual graduation of it's getting better and better and better. And I look at it and I go, I don't think they've even begun to be how good they're going to be. And so now I start thinking, man, I underestimated this team. If they stay healthy, I think it's a 50-win basketball Yeah, I mean, team. coming out of this, off the top of the show, we kind of agreed they're way better than we – Thought yeah. they'd be. Now, Golden State's entire starting lineup being hurt certainly helps. Zion, the Mavs will play the Pelicans twice in the next five days. Him missing the entire season, I would imagine, helps. Yeah. Uh, because the Pelicans are, uh, you I, realize I guess, the Pelicans, less of a threat. You realize the Pelicans yesterday got their season sweep. Of, the Thunder swept them. They're, they've already played them? They've played time? three times. They're done playing, and the Thunder beat them three times. Dude, the Thunder have like actually had some good wins. I think too. they're eight and eleven now, or something. Yeah. Like that? I, every time I check a Thunder score, they've won. So I don't know where all these losses are. coming When we from. were doing that this at the beginning of the year, I was like, and I'm still, they're not gonna make the playoffs. I was mm. like, man, I wouldn't write off the Thunder. Yeah, that's gonna be an an annoying team that's gonna give yes. you a Knicks like loss. Absolutely. Twice, but you know. but think about this. What if I'd said, hey, twenty games in. Portland, San Antonio, and Golden State are all out of the playoffs, and the only chance Portland has of getting back in is if Carmelo Anthony saves them. Uh, you mean player of the week, Carmelo that- Anthony. Now, Luka's been spectacular, but it, he didn't do enough this week to outdo Melo's 22 points and eight rebounds per game. This is why these awards are silly. Yeah. And I've always felt this way. as like there was never a season in his prime 
where Michael Jordan played that he shouldn't have been the MVP. But we look for reasons to give it to someone else. Why? Yeah. I don't understand the reason for this. If we're just doing charity, then why have the award? Mm. If the, the best player who's dominating every night should continue to get the stuff, keep giving the good guy the stuff. We don't have to go, ah, eh, enough of that. Let's lower our standards to give it to this. This is weird because like player of the week is not supposed to be a narrative award. No. The closest that I can remember it being is actually Mavs related. A few years ago, they gave it to J.J., but J.J. became a starter that week. The Mavs won four games in a row to basically get into the playoffs, and he averaged like 20 and 12, mm-hmm. which is really good. Extraordinary. And everybody else in the NBA sucked at that point. <laughs> so it's just like, eh, what's the, you know. Right. But right now, when you get Harden dropping 60 points in 30 minutes, I think it's crazy that Melo is the only thing that Mavs fans and Rockets fans can agree on is like hurting both of their teams. Right. Okay, so wait. I, I just, it just registered with me what you said. Mello just got player of the week for getting in three games what Harden got in 30 minutes. Yeah, so Harden almost outscored Mello this week in 30 minutes. Yep. Which but is, let's give it to Mello because yeah. it's a redemption story. You feel story. good, man. Right. Ratings are down. Right. Let's get, let's right. get Mello back in the limelight because we yeah. know – this is a correlation causation thing. Yes. When were the ratings good last? When Melo was <laughs> in the NBA. <laughs> we right? figured it out. Yeah, we just solved business. You're right. welcome, Adam Silver. Um, okay, there was somewhere else that I was going to take this that was just not Luca. Disneyland. But I guess we can. Well, we can. I like. Want to go to remote? They were just in LA. They're in New Orleans now, so we can go to Bourbon. Did if you, you want to do Justin or what were you thinking? Ooh, Justin Jackson finally got in the game. And lit it up. He, so he's shooting pretty well. He's hitting 50% of his threes in the last, what is it? Uh, Almost the whole season. Is he's that like right? shooting like 46, 47%. That's or something. great. It's crazy. Uh, so this is kind of the, if you were to pick, like if you were to, if you were to get a fan off the street and say, where do the Mavs need to upgrade? You'd probably say wing shooting and maybe at the big position, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, Justin Jackson's kind of a wing shooter, but this is where you run into the problem of like almost having too many players, right? Like this comes up all the time. Well, how does Boban get more minutes? How does JJ get in the game? How does Justin Jackson get in the game? Brokoff barely even plays. It's like whose minutes are they going to take? Right. You know, if Justin Jackson's going to get in the game, that means Tim, who's like been your savior for mm-hmm. the last month, isn't playing. Mm-hmm. It's like that's who he's competing with minutes, and he's not taking any minutes from Luca. Is Dorian still the third most minutes on the team? Uh, total or per game? Uh, well, I would think that that would be pretty close probably to being the same because he's played right? in every game, I believe. Yeah, so I, it might, it's probably still Dorian. Let's see. Uh, Dorian, 26.4 minutes per game, which as far as third most minutes goes, is probably pretty one of low. the lowest in the league. It's an indication of their depth. Yeah, and, Dwight, and 25.6. Maxi, yeah. 25.3. Yep. Uh, I don't see whose minutes he takes. I don't know. How does Jalen Brunson get more minutes? How know. does Seth Curry get more? No. DeLon Wright, player of the game yesterday, arguably. How does he get more minutes? Yeah. You got a lot of players. So it's weird. You got Justin Jackson on a team who theoretically is kind of hurting for shooting. He's shooting 46.7% this season. He's played in 18 games, takes two and a half threes a game. Not a huge sample size, but still big enough to uh, identify him as the best three-point shooter on this team by almost 10 percentage points. Wow. Outside of Ryan Brokoff. Yeah. He's a four for five. My guy. Yeah. But uh, I don't know, man. I mean, it's an, it's kind of an interesting case. I was standing for him all summer. I think you thought he'd be a starter, too. I did. Uh, he's playing like a starter on offense, at least. You know what I, my thought was, was that he would be a starter 
unless, and I think the number I said, Dorian hit 36.5 to 37% of his threes, which I don't think he is right now. 33.3. But this is it, a career high, but But still. it doesn't matter because everything else he's done has been so good. Yeah, Dorian's been awesome. I th- in order for Dorian to get the minutes, he would have to hit 36 to 37% of his threes, and he's not, and he's still so good at all the other stuff that you have to have him on the floor. Yeah, and that's that's the ultimate good problem to have, right? Like, Tim has been playing too well to bench. Right. Luca, obviously, KP, obviously, like, none of those guys are playing center, so Dwight and Maxie's minutes are safe. The only player that Justin Jackson can kind of dethrone is Dorian, and Dorian's playing awesome. And the other thing, too, is that Dorian is a better athlete than Justin, or a more dynamic athlete than Justin, and uh, it's a team that needs dynamic athleticism. Tim's one of the team's best athletes. Mm. And that's why it's good that those two guys are starting. Yeah, I mean, a lot of Dorian's offensive highlights the last three weeks have come on f- transition, yep. in the, you know, on the fast break. Yep. Uh, and especially on the defensive end, too. I mean, he's guarding all these tough guys. Top guys yeah. you know? Now DeRozan kind of gave him the work against the Spurs, and he's struggled against other guys, but James Harden didn't have a very good game no. whenever they played the Rockets the other day, and a lot of that had to do with Dorian. I mean, it's this is like a – I don't know, it's a good – I think it's awesome that Justin is playing well. I think it's awesome that he's taking advantage of his minutes. I'm not sure it would be awesome to just like have him supplant Dorian. I, I don't know. I think you. I, oh, it's I, not, it's I'm, not I'm, broke right now, you know. I am 1,000 percent in the Dorian needs to be a full time starter camp. Yeah, I'm 1,000 percent. Unless he's shooting 15 percent from three, I am yep. way on board with all things Dorian. I mean, does. last year after the Dennis trade, for about three months, he was. Not very good, right? Three. I mean, it was like like in the teens. Yeah, it was really really bleak for a while. But he's to his credit, he started strong. Now he did last year too, kind of shot forty percent for like a month and a half, and then tailed off a little bit. So which Dallas Maverick has played the most minutes on the on the current roster has played the most minutes with Luka Doncic since he arrived. Do you know the answer to this? I or don't. Is this? I'm thinking um, your candidates are Dorian. Mm, Dwight, perhaps. I think it's got to be Dorian. I think it's got to be Dorian, too, and that's where I was going with this. Let's see. Because we all agree that Luke is the most important player. And so you start talking about, like, in other words, P.J. Tucker is so important to the Houston Rockets. And he's been with those guys for a while now with that style that they play. Same with Capella. You know, those guys – that continuity matters when you have one guy that's so dominant. So the guys that are accustomed to him, there's a benefit to that. And so I really think that Dorian's probably the guy. And I think, you know, as we start looking at this and how those guys are developing together, there's probably some reason for their vibing together in the way that they do. He's second okay. on KP, only by 28 minutes total uh-huh. in the season. So he's base, and then after that, there's a golf. It's more than 100 minutes before the next guy. Oh no, no, I was including, max. I was including last year. Oh, okay. Oh since, yeah, since easily Lu- since Luca arrived. Yeah, easily Dorian. I mean, that's, right. it's not even close. Because what I'm talking about is I'm talking about the idea of continuity of players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I, I agree with everything you said, and that I think. Dorian's skill set complements Lucas really well because he's just going to defend and run the floor and, and shoot when he's open. He and they have a comfort level with one another. Remember when Luca first arrived, him and Dorian and Dennis were playing video games together all the time, yep. vibing. And all that's, I believe in all that stuff. And how many times, I mean, this is actually, this is a trivia that uh, intrigues me. I bet Dorian might be the guy that Luca passes to the most. I wouldn't be surprised, man. Let's see. I'm looking it up right now. It could be centers because he does like 
pitch it and take little handoffs for screens. Right, right, right. But let's see. Passes. Let's go to. Do Dorian. passes per minute. Wait, no, it's a terrible that's stat. Gonna be, that's yeah, going to be sorry, tough. Sorry, that's, that's a bad tough. stat. Uh, but I can go to Luca. This is real-time research that we're Live. doing right now. So tracking. On numbers on the board. I don't want to look at defense. No one cares about defense. Nah, it's I want to go to passes. So passes two. KP number one at 14. Mm-hmm. Dorian Finney-Smith number two at 10.2 passes two per game. There you go. How about that? We figured it all out. Yeah. What did we figure out? Uh, Luca passes to Dorian a lot. I see, we did because that. he knows where he's going to be. I mean, Dorian is always this like safety valve. I don't know. And there's now, chemistry. Now the like the skeptical way of saying it is, well, he's open because guys don't respect his shooting ability. Which is why this is our original premise: Hey, if he's not going to hit his threes, it's really difficult for him to be on the floor. Exactly. Can he do all the other things enough to justify that? And while I would like it to be better than thirty-three percent, it's not killing them by any stretch. And if man. If he gets that up to 35 or 36, bro, it's on so hard on. Yeah, I mean, DeLon yesterday hit, I think, two threes. Mm -hmm. It was huge. It's almost like those guys that are going to defend and do all the dirty stuff that no one else wants to do, if they hit one shot, then you're like, Yes. Right. Like almost every point they score is just like added. And that's and you know what, what what that does though is it totally underscores the whole idea of what does this team need? It needs more shooting. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? That's what the Lakers need. And that's, you know, line them up. There's a lot of teams that have aspirations of greatness and they need more shit. Yeah, I would say, I mean, there's probably 30 teams. Yeah. Houston, for example, they got Harden, who might be the most talented player in the NBA, but the Mavs doubled him and beat him by 14 because no one can make shots. And aren't you sitting here after watching that defensive performance against Houston? Aren't you sitting here going... It's coming to where it's just going to be so hard on Luga because they're just constantly taking everything away and they're selling it all out. And so those other guys have to step up and shine when they do it. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, the, I'm trying to think of some games where, like, uh, Luca and K- Luca and KP both played well in the first New York game. If I remember. That was the game where no one else really yep. did. Yeah. And that's the whole they point. They scored, like, 53 yeah. of the Mavs, 102 or By something. By the way, and sorry to change topics. Did you know that yesterday the Clippers won a game and their top four – Scores scored 110 points. Yeah. Their top four guys scored 110 points, Bob. Yeah, they scored 150 in regulation. I mean, the Wizards are not good, but their top four guys scored 110 points. The Wizards have allowed 150 to the Clippers. The Wizards have allowed 159 to, uh, I think, the Rockets. Oh, that's right. That was that game. Oh, and Bradley Beal and Harden were going at it. That was a classic. Yeah, they they, they, they both scored, I think, like 60 or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was absurd. So, (laughs) actually, the Mavs... Scored 108, which is one of the lowest outputs against them this season. They gave up 140 to Boston. Yeah, Yeah, they gave up 132 to the Spurs, (laughs) who don't shoot threes. Uh, Yeah, they let the Lakers score 125 on them, which is a lot for the Lakers. They're not defending. No. And so that's like the extreme. You you think the Mavs have a bad defense? That's a bad defense. That's that's a a tough defense. It's Uh, relative. It would be a really good defense on the college level. But for the pros. No, no, no. Everyone gets mad when you say, hey, how dare you call a player bad? It's like, no, mm-hmm. we realize he can dominate all over. The, but we're, it's, yeah. it's relative. We're talking NBA. Yeah. Now, the Wizards also, I think, are second in offense. And so that's they are. the ultimate, yeah. like, that's the ultimate sort of give and take. Right. Although the Rockets, I think, have overtaken them have uh, because of that game. I mean, okay. you, you oh, score oh, 158 okay. points or whatever. You're probably <laughs> number one in offense. Um, okay. Luca, obviously, he's very good, dude. I don't, I don't really know what else to even. It's, it's tough to like. 
Coming up next on the even, Luca is Good podcast. Yeah, we might have even talked about this before. It's like, what do you even say? There's nothing, almost nothing interesting to say about him. If you're really interested in stats, go to my Twitter timeline. Uh, I'm at Bobby Corella. Today, put a bunch of stuff about, basically, he's scoring more efficiently right now in the pick and roll than 25 NBA teams are scoring in transition. Wow. Yes. When did I, you drop I that, I guess jewel. I just kind of like sort of casually said that. I thought you'd already seen that. That was this morning. Okay, I missed that. So I was in an important meeting with international investors. Whoa. <laughs> no, I just made that up. Holy I just, crap. I just wanted to sound cool because I missed that awesome Dude, stat that, that you put is, on your Twitter account. That is very account. cool. So right now, Luca, if you... You filter it to guys that have sp- used 100 possessions in the pick and roll, uh-huh. right? So it's not Dwight Powell's used like six. He doesn't count. Yeah, yeah. These are guys that have used 100 possessions through the first basically quarter of the season. Doncic is number one in points per possession. Uh, Damian Lillard is number two. Chris Paul is number three. It's in, he's in pretty good company. Yeah. So Doncic is scoring 1.143 points per possession, which is – very good. He's probably going to be a – if he just played the whole game and all he did was pick and roll, he'd probably score 114 points. Uh, thereabouts. Yeah. Uh, how good exactly? Well, I always measure really good half-court output to transition because transition in the NBA is easy, yeah. right? It's a layup. It's, it's a high percentage it's open play. Threes. Yes. If you give up a lot of transition, you're going – that's why the Kings didn't make the playoffs last year. They play fast, which means teams can play fast against them. Mm-hmm. And whenever half of your possessions are run-out layups, you're going to – probably win the game yeah so uh how do teams do in transition compared to how luca does against a set defense well oh man only five nba teams score better in transition than luca does in the pick and roll <laughs> that's crazy only five of them now teams are starting to catch on to how good luca is finally and they're double teaming him but when they don't He's scoring 1.287 points per possession, which not only is better than every team in the NBA, like in any play type, wide open threes, Luka in the pick and roll is better whenever he's playing one-on-one. But he's better, significantly better than Harden was last year in single coverage in the pick and roll. Wow. Harden was 1.198. So Luka one-on-one is, with a screen, is better than the best one-on-one player maybe Ever. Okay, so the Mavericks should trade for an additional screener. Yeah, <laughs> but this is all, and this is kind of just like this thought path. It's like a twenty tweet thread. It's if you have a lot of time to kill and you really care, definitely check it out. But it, I didn't intend to turn it into like a Dwight Powell love fest. But whenever I saw that, I was like, oh my god, mm-hmm. Luca's doing all of this. Well, it doesn't really seem like Porzingis is screening a lot for him, and when he does, Luke is usually giving it to Porzingis. So who is this magic being made with? Well, it's it's with Dwight Powell. Yeah. So the Mavs are scoring. Are you ready for this? So yes. remember, two points per possession means you're getting a layup every possession. Yeah. You're scoring two points every time you touch the ball. So when Dwight Powell sets a screen for Luka, the Mavs are scoring 1.36 points per possession. God. Which is essentially 68% on two-point shots. So you're basically <laughs> getting a layup literally almost every time he screens. And that's not Luka. That's not Powell. That's the team. Yeah. So when Powell screens for Luka, they're scoring a two 68% of the time, essentially is what that means. Now, when Porzingis does it, they're scoring 1.208 points per really percent, good. which is still really good. Well, how good is that? Of the top 50 players in pick set this season – Based on points per possession stemming from a pick they set, right? Dwight Powell is number one 
Chris Epps Porzingis is number two. <laughs> so they have the two best screen setters basically in the NBA. And 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 without in any way disrespecting either one of those guys, it's because of the guy that they're setting the screen for. Well, I mean, but we, it's got to work. I'm yeah, just, we talked yeah. about that this summer. Is this like you turn offense into a cheat code because you have the best rim runner in the NBA for the yeah. last three years, and you have one of the best spot-up big man ever, ever, and you have arguably the best ball handler, not in terms of handles, but like decision maker right. in the NBA right, right now, or he certainly just, one of the top two or three. He sees it all. You have the best at every spot, and these three are interacting with each other constantly. Yeah. And so that is how you score 130 points every single game and make it look easy is because you're getting an easy shot every single time down the floor. Even if you're missing them, in the games where they've lost, New York, for example, Boston especially, and uh, even uh, the Clippers game to a lesser degree, but most of their losses this season have been ugly because they're missing a lot of open shots. They're shooting 25% on threes. Mm -hmm. Well, they're still open. You're getting an open shot almost every single time you bring the ball up the floor right. because of Luka. Right. And these screeners are helping to enable him because teams are worried about them too. And then, Yeah, and then it, when, if, that's why they're choosing to not stay home on Dorian or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's well, like, you can't. If you double Luka and Luka's able – if you double Luka off a Dwight Powell screen and Dwight runs to the basket and you don't cover him, Luka's going to get the ball to him and he's yeah. going to dunk it. So you sag off the shooter, and well, and that's where you see Luca make these forty-foot skip passes to the corner yes. that are right in the pocket to these we, open shooters. And we talked about this because if you know, talk about the skip pass. If the guy at the forty-five degree angle is Porzingis, his man's not leaving him. Yeah. So even if Porzingis isn't putting up your big numbers, he's impacting your offense because this guy's not leaving him. So now the floor is available for Luca to do what he wants to do, and I'm, I, I swear I do not want to just stir up a a, a Luca Trey thing because I think Trey is extraordinary and he's better than I ever thought he was going to be already. Mm. But there's a big difference in flooding a 6'2 guy and flooding a 6'8 guy. Absolutely. It's a huge difference. It's the tiebreaker. It's the tiebreaker. And it what allows you to be that extraordinary with those numbers that you just – because and also his vision. I mean, I think they both have a lot of great intuition and vision. But it, it, I think we talked about this a year or two ago when we were talking about this concept of small ball. It's not small ball. It's skill ball. Yeah. Because I guarantee you, if all the six nine guys could do what the six two guys could do, you would put the five six nine guys out there. Yeah. LeBron, James Harden, right. KD, and Luca. You're going. You're Giannis. always going to go with the bigger players if they can do the things skill wise because the size affords you a tremendous advantage. I mean, the dimensions of the court change whenever Luca's out there because he can pass high, he can pass low, and he can get guys on his hip and score over them. Right. He destroyed the Spurs. No offense to DeJounte Murray, who's literally he's an all-NBA defender. Really great defender. But Luka dominated him because he's just so much bigger and stronger. Yeah. So much bigger. And now Trey has an advantage over Luka, I think, in quickness. He's able to get into tight spaces and stuff. Yep. But that's one big area of Luka's game that I think he made an improvement in this summer is getting an extra step. Mm -hmm. Mike said that his first step isn't much faster, but his second step is. And I kind of agree with that in that he's not able to – He's not able to get by guys in one step, but once he gets going, he's exploding more, it mm. feels like. It's not like he's, like, running out of gas. He turns the corner, and then he accelerates. Like, mm -hmm. he's getting to his spot, and then he's going, as opposed to just trying to burn guys. Right. But he wasn't able to do either of those last year. I mean, his drives went down toward the end of the year. He was taking a lot of those step-back threes because, first off, he didn't have the personnel around him to kind of support what he wants to do. But more importantly, I think he was just kind of – tired and out of shape and right. just not out of shape and that he was like 
you know, overweight or anything, but Relative he was exhausted. Yeah. yeah. And he, he shaved 15, 20 pounds, added some muscle and all that stuff. I mean, he's able to take the beating. And so now I guess the only question I think I have between now and the end of the year is first off, can they stay healthy? But second, is Luca going to be able to maintain yeah. this right. or even 90% of this? Because if he does, then they're easily, easily going to be a 51 team. If he doesn't, that's whenever you start running into some problems. And that's why they need DeLon to start taking on bigger loads and some of these things. It'd be nice if Luca didn't have to play. Yeah, and if KP can yep. find it a little bit, right. that might be a next year thing. I mean, maybe right. there's a lot of rust to shake off. I think more than I thought. Me too. And but so I th- as, I th- my, th- as better as Luca is, I, I'm kind of surprised that KP isn't there with him. I thought Rick I mean? really put it in perspective. It was the Friday before we played the Celtics when he brought up Gordon Hayward. Yeah. And I was like, man, I hadn't considered that. But and unfortunately for Hayward, he got he hurt got again hurt the next night. But he was playing great. Yeah. I mean, they won, what, 12 games in a row or something largely because he was playing awesome. He was killing it. Yeah. And so maybe it is that next November, next December 2nd, we're sitting here being like, oh, my God, Porzingis is that that dude. Right. You know? Uh, it is amazing to me. I, sh- I think I just need to stay off Twitter. It's amazing to me the people that are hitting me up going, well, Porzingis needs to justify this contract. I'm like, bro, we are one month into a five-year contract. Are yeah. you serious? Yeah. Are you on crack? Surely you haven't just started watching sports. You've seen this play out. Come on, baby. Mm. Be better. Yeah, and I mean, I think part of that could be on, you know, as, as much as the, the tweet heard around the world this summer where you're saying people are going to be have, uh, satisfied with the offseason, I think to a degree you and I and a lot of other people that host podcasts or write articles or whatever maybe Mm, hyped up Porzingis a little bit, like he, saying oh, it was going to be easy. I did too. I did. He was I'm guilty come in of that. Drop 25 right away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought he might lead the team in scoring. This I did year. think he was going to lead yeah, the team. I mean, in scoring. because he's just going to be open all the time. Exactly. And he is. Now he's not making a lot of those shots, and outside of a lot of catch and shoot, there's really kind of been uh, sort of a, a a dearth in go-to moves. Right. He puts the ball on the floor. He's turning it over a lot. Right. Uh, he hasn't been very efficient in the post, but he's really good around the rim, and he's starting to make threes. And the, he's the, struggling with his free throws, which is very out of character for him. But even still, he's averaging 18 a game. The thing that, like, really, like, put the picture into focus for me is we were interviewing, interviewing him after a game. And he said, he, he was like, it's been a long time since, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, it's been a long time since I've played and basketball has changed a lot since then. And I'm listening Jeez. to that going, it actually hasn't. You just played for the Knicks. Yeah. And so his pro ex- – this is, this is why I always tell people, like, when they start talking about tanking, I'm like, I have no interest in tanking if I have players that I like because you're teaching players how to suck. Mm. You're not, that's why – no, if I'm not taking shots. I truly, genuinely like the guy. But when Nerland's Noel got here, this was the first time he had ever seen real NBA basketball yeah. and what it was supposed to be because he had been in a situation where it was a rudderless ship. And I'm not taking shots anybody, but they were intentionally trying to lose. Yeah, and, and whenever everyone was getting very angsty because veterans were playing and the Mavs were still yeah. trying to play the right way and stuff, that's why so that whenever you drop players into that situation, it's and not – it's not like a culture. I don't know. It's like you want to maintain good basketball. Absolutely. You don't want to be the Sixers. Absolutely. You, you want to drop Luca into the system and he plays and great. So think about that. Porzingis' perception, again, there could be, I mean, he, he obviously he speaks great English. He's been in the States for a while. And it could be a language. But his comment basically was basketball has changed. And I'm like, no, you're on a real team now. Like that S you were doing in New York, we don't do that S here. That, they were playing outdated basketball over there. That's why you were taking all those horrible shots with guys draped on you. 
that was a bad basketball situation. This is actually a real basketball situation. So it's not that the game has changed in 20 months. It's just since you left Latvia, this is the first time that you've been, this is the way basketball is supposed to be played on the pro level. Mm. You know, the good teams are playing like this, not what was happening there. And that's why all the coaches there were frustrated and there's a million stories and blah, blah, blah. But all right, we're going to play this. We're going to do some triangle stuff. Yeah, bro. I mean, if, 50% of your touches or even more are coming in the post or the high post. Right. I mean, that's you're playing a different and, – and, and, and so, by the way, basketball, when he was doing that, other teams were playing modern basketball. Yeah. I mean, the game was modernizing quickly. Yes. And the Knicks were kind of getting left behind. Right. And so the game hasn't changed since you've last played. Mm. Defenses, maybe. Sure. You know, but even then. Well, they're then. constantly tweaking defenses to adjust to what is happening offensively. Yeah. I mean, Rick was talking about on pick-and-roll coverages – and how they constantly evolve because of the talents of the players and the players that are around. Yeah, them. there was this actually this really good article on The Athletic uh, by, I don't know the guy's name, but he's Lakers Film Room on Twitter. I think he wrote this article about Luka and the pick and roll and how he's kind of, he's like the new master of it, basically. I need to read and there that. Was a little, it's really good. It's really good. Um, if you search Luka Doncic pick and roll, it'll come up. But uh, And so will my thread, actually, which was partly <laughs> oh, inspired nice. by that article. Yeah. But uh, anyway, there was a chart in there showing like, it was basically eight, six or eight different defensive coverages for the pick and roll, and how you know t- twenty years ago there was one right. basically. You tried to force them sidelines so that they wouldn't get middle, but yeah. now there's like eight or ten, and each one has different wrinkles depending on who the screener is. I mean, so think about it. Like if the if the guy can shoot, well, you you can't play this way. You got to play this way. Right. But if he can shoot and roll, well, then you got to play this way. And right. I mean, it's extremely complex. Yes. And so that's another reason. I mean, relating back to the Mavs. And that, by the way, that's why it's harder in the playoffs. Yeah. Because they have time to really focus in on how to defend you, as opposed to, hey, we were in Boston 48 hours ago. Yeah. And it's just on to the next one. Yeah. And the the regular season is about you. The playoffs yep. is about them. Right. But uh, that's why it's important for the Mavs, I think, to have. Powell and Porzingis, or Porzingis and another screener, because Powell does one thing, Porzingis does another. If you're doing multiple screens in the same possession, then that throws things. That really throws out everybody of whack. off. Yeah, that's why. That's why originally you and I were on board with the idea of Dennis and Luca together. Yeah, but exactly, it didn't yes. work out. And you know what? It worked out great for the Mavericks. Yeah, it, it worked, worked out. out I'd great. say it worked out pretty well so far. Um, they didn't get their thirteenth win. Uh, a couple years ago, until I believe the year 2018. So they're a little ahead of schedule, skin. Um, okay. I, I, <laughs> kind of an abrupt ending, but I guess we're kind of out of time here. No, I, um, I like the idea of from now on, let's just go, okay, and then the show and ends. And then the show ends. Wouldn't that be great? The next, it's like 30 seconds into the episode, and you say, okay, by accident. <laughs> oh, <I'm> like, no. Ah! <laughs> and then we pull the plug. Uh, uh, Did yeah. we do everything? Uh, man, I think so. Again, this was a noteless episode. There was a couple things that I wanted to talk about, but I think we hit on most of them. Okay. Can, um, they, can they be saved for the next Oh, yeah, episode? for sure. I mean, like, I think like future sort of like conceptualizing. I know there's names floating around on the rumor mill that are may or may not be available via trade, and we obviously can't talk about those specifically because of the nature of our jobs. Well, my job and your right. – you, you work here. This is a job. Yeah, this is your job. I'm, a, uh, I'm what they call an independent contractor, Bob. Can you explain to me in great detail what that means? That means you do not get insurance. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. Well, why did you? You, you don't you get benefit. But but in, but I'm also not a full time employee. Indeed. So you I don't am, have to be here. I have full time employee somewhere else. Oh okay. And Where so, is that? 
we will soon announce. Oh, so I almost got you. But, dude, I would I love it if you. people checked out the non-compete. The Is that on iTunes? and where, Yes, where I believe so. Okay. Because I saw you tweet that. That was today, this morning, whenever you yeah, released so the Yeah, so Ben always tells this great holiday story called The Gravy Gonna Set It Off. Mm. And so that was episode one. We went and did these, like, live renditions of it the week before Thanksgiving, and then we podcast it. And then we did episode two this morning, and... Uh, it was it's, very sportsy. Uh, well, it, there was Luca a talk because I mean, and it was it was really just kind of funny. Like we were just we were just making fun of each other for an hour and a half, basically. Yeah, but well, there was cool. Luca talking there. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's a nice wholesome yep, yep. Uh, wholesome stuff. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, like I was saying, we can't really talk about these guys by name or anything because of our jobs. But also, like rumors, I think by themselves aren't that fun. But Thinking about stuff is fun. Mm-hmm. And so maybe, you know, there'll be plenty of time between now and the trade deadline and in the summer whenever we can talk about that sort of thing, too, as it comes up. I'm sure now that they have Luca and another stud in Porzingis, basically every time a player is available for trade, the Mavs are going to be attached to them because yep. that's what happens whenever you're really good, man. Yep. The microscope and is always on. and you have You're a tra- always under it. And you have a traded player exception that expires the last day of January? Uh, yeah. Somewhere there? No, the Barnes one is February 7th, I believe. Oh, right. February 6th, maybe? Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, it's not Porzingis-related, it's Barnes-related. Correct. correct. Yeah, they yep. do have a Porzingis-related one, but it's like a million dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's yep, just yep. nothing. I'm with you. Uh, but yeah, there's what, 11 million? I think it's 11. like 11.7. 11. Million, or, okay, 11.8. Like that. yeah. um, that's, of course, is if they choose to keep it, which by all reports they did. So, whatever. Uh, it's all very confusing to me, honestly, and even I'm... I read the CBA every day, start to cover, oh my start God. front to back. And I, I need to get know. you out there, Bob. That's, that's not a good way to spend your time. I buddy. need to socialize. That's yeah. why I'm so pale, man. I spend all day indoors. It's, uh, I, I issue this line all the time because it stuck with me forever, but Kiki Vandeway, they once asked him why he didn't have a tan. He said, the sun don't shine in the gym. Hey, dude, that's my guy. That's well, he's, guy. that's not my guy because he wronged the Mavs. He's, that's, he's pretty that's great. That's their but guy. He, later on, he worked for the organization. Yeah, yeah, no, so. he's, he's, he's good people. Kiki he's, is actually, he's a very engaging person to talk he? to. He came, he's with uh, the NBA now, right? Yeah, he works for the NBA, and he came last uh, October-ish or late September and sat in some math practices and I oh, yeah. sat there and talked to him and it was just awesome. Weird flex. Not only are you in practice, but you're talking, Kiki Vandaway uh, is talking to you. Uh, I was, uh, I was there in a janitor uniform cleaning oh, and they didn't okay. know it was me. Okay. I snuck in. See, no, so that's what the contract work yes. is. You got to do a little bit of everything. Yes. Right here. Yeah. Uh, okay. Skin. Well, be well. Uh, we'll be back with you all next week on numbers on the boards. I guess skin. Uh, is there any parting words that you have for our loyal listeners other than to rate review, like, and subscribe. Uh, yeah, always do that. And then also, uh, you know, just uh, it's okay to be emotional. Just don't be irrational. Wow. Right? Very deep, man. Because we all get emotional. Just don't let it make you irrational. I'm not going to lie. I got pretty, uh, I, got, I, got, I got twisted up into a knot whenever Aaron Baines was doing his bit last week. Right. It, it but, happens but, to all of us. Okay, but that's a good example. Get emotional. Be upset about it. But don't demand that he be killed. Yes. That's irrational. That okay. That's right? a very good. Like be pissed. Be pissed that you lost twice to the Mavericks. Don't cut everybody after that. Mm. Right. That's irrational. The year is 2026. The Mavs yes. have won their fourth straight championship, but they still lost twice to, to the, the Knicks. Knicks. I mean, how could we ever Those get over that? Jerks. Right. Uh, yeah. Enjoy it, man. This is sport. It's entertainment. It's meant to be enjoyed. Um, on that note, a wholesome, happy, uh, belated Thanksgiving to everybody. Enjoy yep. the holiday season. Go do your holiday shopping. Uh, and thank you for always listening to Numbers on the Boards. 